in the Bible, and we find that Jesus Christ is the what of the church? The head. He is the head of the church. All right? And the church is the what? We just said this. The body. He is the head. We are the body. Where does your body get its instruction from? The head, right? You, those of you that just responded, the head, your mouth got its instruction, your vocal cord got its instructions from the head, right? You understand that. If you're nodding your head right now, that instruction for those muscles to move came from your head. We understand this concept in the natural, correct? A while ago, I said, could we all stand? You stood. The noise came in, my voice came into your ear. You heard it with your ear. Your head processed the thought. Your head sent signals to your muscles in your body and your legs and your back and your, st- and you stood. The action was initiated because you heard a word. You responded to the word. Your head processed the information and the rest of your body followed the instruction of your head. We all agree with that. You thought this is science, not church. We understand that. So it is in the spiritual. Jesus Christ is the head. We, the church, are called to be the body of Christ. Do I respond to the head in my daily living and walking? Or do I respond to my own fleshly desires and will in my daily living? That determines how much I'm a part of the body of Christ. You say, man, we're just starting off in a hurry. I didn't plan on this. I'm just trying to obey the head. You see, we don't just gather on Sunday so we can say we came to church. We were in a service. It was nice. Now I'm... I'm being a good Christian because I can say I go to church on Sunday. God forbid. We're not trying to be good Christians. We're trying to be what Christ wants his body to be. Our goal is to be what he is desiring us to be. Paul said, my children whom I travail in birth until Christ be formed in you. What was he talking about? Where I'm no longer living of my own will and way, but as the body of Christ, every day I'm living according to the instruction and the direction of the head of the body. And I'm a part and he's placed you and he's placed me in the body. And if you're here this morning, I believe it is by divine appointment of God because he has aligned you to place you in the body of Christ. Now, are we alone the body of Christ? Of course not. The body of Christ spans the earth. But we are a part of the body of Christ. And in the body, He has alignment and connection that He brings and He places and He makes in the body. He did not connect me with someone in the body in New York City yet. I don't know that He will. I'm just not closing that door. That's his choice. He's the head. Why is it you or I can meet a brother or sister and go, you know, I I believe they're filled with the Holy Ghost like I am. I I have a witness of spirit, but, you know, it was great to meet them, but there's no connection. But I can meet somebody else in the body of Christ. 
Man, there's a spiritual connection and a relationship and a flow. What's going on? He placed you and I in the body where it pleased Him, the Scripture says. We don't choose where we are in the body. I mean, I know people who try. But the Scripture is very clear. Jesus Christ places or sets members in the body as it pleases Him, not as it pleases us. And so he's seen fit to play. Why is it that some people go place to place and, man, I I don't know what I'm looking for. I'm still feeling, looking, feeling, feeling. Well, some of it's because they're not obeying the voice of the Lord. But some of it's because the Lord's trying to get them in the body where he's designed them to be. We are the body of Christ. We are members in particular. And when we gather here today, there is a flow of His Spirit that comes when we come together as a collective body that doesn't happen in my prayer closet all alone. Now, there's things that take place in mine in your individual prayer closet, but there's something that happens when we come together and we're aligned together and we're connected together and we begin to lift our hands and worship together. We begin to pray together. We begin to sing and lift our voice in adoration together. There's something that begins to happen. What is that? It is the flow of the Spirit that comes from the head through the body of Christ. It's the reason why the Apostle Paul made this statement. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, even so much the more as you see the day approaching. What was the day approaching? The coming of the Lord that he was speaking of. What's the assembling together? He wasn't talking about a church service. We've used it that way. Well, we should come together often in church services because the Lord will be coming soon. We should be coming together often, but we should probably be coming together more often for prayer and waiting on the Lord and seeking His face and going, let me punch my clock at 11 and be there on Sunday and then at 7 on Wednesday. And you should be here, by the way. But the assembling together is the assembling together of the body, the connecting. Forsake not the assembling together. You and I can come and gather here this morning and we could be unassembled. Does that make sense? We can all come and Brother Zario can be here and Brother Lewis can be there and Brother TJ can be back there. We can all be in our own world and not be assembled together. It's the Lord that assembles us together and knits us together in His body. And there is a flow of His Spirit that only happens through the body. Now, why don't you stand with me? He's here right now. He is present. And I feel the beckoning of his spirit on your heart and life. And he's opening understanding to some of you this morning. And he's quickening again in your spirit for some of you. Would you begin to talk to him right now? Come on, talk to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lift your voice to him. You say, I don't know how. Sure you do. If you know how to talk, talk with him. 
Express yourself to him, Lord Jesus Christ. You are the head. We are the body. Thank you for choosing to place us as members in the body. And Father, if we are not yet sure of where our place is, bring clarity in our lives. I pray the witness of your word and your spirit in our heart and life that we would be instruments of righteousness for you, the Lord God Almighty, that your will can be wrought in the earth through the body of Christ. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, we worship you as the body of Christ. Collectively today, we lift our voice in praise. Collectively today, we lift our voice in adoration. Collectively today, we magnify and glorify you, O God. We may not understand everything there is to be understood about your church and your body. But we know that you have called us. We know that you purpose to use us. And so we yield ourselves to you today. Pray the operating of your spirit with us and through us for your glory and your purpose. Hallelujah. Be exalted today, Father. Be lifted up today, Father. Be magnified today, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice to Him. We praise your name, Jesus. We exalt your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are worthy of glory, worthy of honor, worthy of praise. We lift up your name. We glorify your name. We magnify your name. In Jesus' name. the word at the
Presented here this morning that the Lord is present to minister he's present to heal and to work if you would worship him there are times where answers to our needs come not in asking but simply in praising and beginning to worship and as we begin to lift up and exalt him he begins to there's something that happens that we take the focus off of our need and we put our focus and attention on Him and He can begin to minister into our life to the need without our own thoughts getting in the way. So as we begin to... They're not, they're not here leading and worshiping to entertain us. We understand this, I know. They're leading and worshiping to help us worship together with Him. Can we do that again across this building as we sing and worship? Would you lift your voice to Him? If it helps you, we close our eyes because it takes away from distracting, from looking around, and our attention gets fixed on Him. Come on, would you do that this morning? Lift your voice to Him in praise and adoration. Let Him minister to your spirit. 
we worship you you alone are worthy to receive glory we magnify you the one true living God we exalt your name this morning hallelujah it is you that heals it is you that delivers it is you that sets free we worship your name this morning hallelujah 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 thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I'm asking some ushers to come. They're going to wait on you as you continue in worship today. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we lift up your name. We pray today, Father, as we give, let it be as unto you. Let it further your purpose in the earth. Let it further the work of your kingdom. Let it be for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, praise God. God bless you as you give unto the Lord today. Amen. Let me say uh, real quickly, if you would make a note. Um. We will give you dates uh, Wednesday night. Uh, here at Bible study Wednesday night, we'll give you set dates. But we'd like to set aside three days collectively as a body uh, for fasting, focused prayer here in the new year. And so we'll give you those dates Wednesday night, but be prayerful about that. And as we set forward into this new year and what the Lord would do, the time demands our prioritization. The time demands our prioritization for His kingdom and His cause and His purpose. Amen. Praise God. We're glad you're here today. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. If you're a guest, welcome. We're honored to have you this morning. See new faces is always a blessing. Amen. Praise God. Why don't we just worship together one more time in song before we go forward in other things here. Continue lifting your heart to the Lord this morning. Well. 
us to agree together in, in opening the word together as we start off this new year. Uh, how many of you think you could carve out 20 to 30 minutes out of a day? Raise your hand if you think that's feasible for you. I think so too. I've learned this in my almost 50 years of living that things that are important to me, I always find time for. Anybody else ever notice that? That things that are important to you, you find time for? You can usually tell one's priorities by what they make time for. That makes sense? So I'm, I'm asking us to prioritize the Word of God. And I know that many do that. But I'd like us to collectively, I'm going to ask you during the month of January to read three chapters every day. But I want to ask you specifically to read a couple of books. Is that all right? 
We don't do this too often. We've done it along the way, but I'd like you to read the book of Genesis. That's the book of beginnings, the scripture says, the book of beginnings. So just a couple of chapters every day in the book of Genesis, just two chapters a day in the book of Genesis, and you'll complete that book before the month is over, all right? And then one chapter in the book of Acts every day, and you'll complete the book of Acts before the month is over, all right? Is that fair? Two verses, two, not verses, two chapters. You'll be way behind if you're doing two verses. Two chapters in the book of Genesis each day, the book of beginnings, and one chapter in the book of Acts each day. Acts is the book of beginning of the church. All right? Acts is the book of beginning of the church. Genesis is the book of beginnings. Let me... Let me try to be of help in your reading. Can I do that? You ever read it and you're like, man, I don't even know what I just read. Anybody ever have that happen? Just me? Yeah. No, that happens to us. Okay. When you start to read, take, take a couple minutes before and just simply ask the Lord to open your understanding. He does that. We have principle in the Word of God where He opened men's understanding so that they understood the Scriptures. So ask him to do that. Don't get in a hurry. All right, no, oh, man, I said I would read three chapters. <laughs> okay, I read it. Let me go on about my day. All right? Make it a priority of your time and your attention. Okay? Uh, when you're reading the book of Genesis, keep in mind, because it's the book of beginnings, there will be things in there that you will read that will speak of historical things that have took place, but they also speak of principles. Okay? Principles that are established from the beginning. So think about that when you're reading the book of Genesis. There are principles established from the beginning. Let me give you just one example. I don't want to take a ton of time, but let me give you one example. Maybe it will, will jog something in your mind, your heart, and your spirit as you begin and continue to read the book of Genesis in January. In the first chapter of Genesis, we know is the book of creation, is the chapter of creation, right? Well, we find one place where on the fourth day, the Lord created the sun, the moon, and the stars. I think that was the fourth day. Fourth or fifth, I think it was the fourth day. But he cre- we know on the first day, what did he create? Ooh, I need some Sunday school kids to help me. On the first day he created, he said, let there be, ah, see, you just need a little prod, right? So he said, let there be, but he didn't create the sun, moon, and stars until when? You guys don't even, yeah, thank you, Sister Sandra, you were listening. Fourth day, right? So, so we realize light was present before the sun, moon, and stars. Of course, you read John 1, you know, he is the light that lighteth every man that entereth into the world. But here's the thing I want you to see, a principle from the beginning. The scripture says when he created the sun, the moon, and the stars, it said he created the sun to rule the day. He created the moon to rule the night. The greater light, the scripture says, to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. All right? There's a principle right there in that simple passage of scripture there in Genesis chapter 1. It is that whether it's day or night, God created light to rule. 
see that? It's a principle in the beginning. And Genesis is filled with principles. As you get into the second half of Genesis, it's all about Abraham's life. That Those last 25, really 34 chapters of Genesis are Abraham and his sons and that lineage. And that's all about principles of God's relationship with mankind. Okay? So when you're reading Genesis... Principles established from the beginning and principles about God's relationship with humanity, with you and with me. And then when you're reading the book of Acts, this is the beginning of the church. It's called the Acts or the Actions of the Apostles. So we call ourselves an apostolic church. That's not a denominational thing. Apostolic means we're striving to live as the apostles lived. Those who spent three and a half years with Christ and then went out and followed his teaching and exampled his teaching through their life. We're striving by his grace working in our lives to be apostolic. Does that make sense? And so when we're reading the book of Acts, we're reading the actions of the apostles. It's our church history where the church began. And so we're looking as we're reading the book of Acts for principles in the word of God about what are things that the apostles did. What did they give themselves to? What were their priorities? What were their lifestyles? Does this make sense? All right. So we're going to read how many chapters in Genesis? Two. How many in Acts? Praise God. The Lord's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to me, and he's going to do a work in us as his body. Amen? Praise God. I'm going to dismiss our amazing Sunday school teachers this morning. Praise God. The Lord be with them. Use them today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I would be remiss if I forget to say thank you all for the kind card and the uh, gift certificates, all of your kind words and those things during Christmas. We are very, very thankful for those things, and we love and appreciate you. Thank you for that very, very much. You're too good to us. Praise God. I'm going to dismiss the beautiful children. To their classes. And there they go. Hallelujah. Praise God. And we remain. Amen. Do you have your Bible with you today? Amen. I hope so. If you need a Bible, let us know. We'll get you one. Praise God. Amen. I'm asking Brother Flowers to come. Appreciate him. God bless you, Brother Flowers. If you have that Bible, turn to the book of Esther if you can find it. It's a small one, so I'm giving you a head start. This is uh, quite possibly my favorite, if not one of my favorite, stories 
in the Bible. Now, I got to make sure I get the point across that it is a true story. When I say story, sometimes we just think, oh, fable, you know, made up telling of something. But it's a true story. It's a recording, really. Um, there are so many details in this um, story, in this account, that I don't have time to hit them all as much as I love them all. I was, I think I was talking, maybe it was Brother Rosario, somebody recently I was telling about a time that I kind of came across this book. It's funny to hear myself confess coming across this book because I was born and raised a, a true believer and Christian and Bible quizzer, and I thought I knew most everything about there, what there was to know. And around uh, my late 20s, I started to realize I don't even know close to what I thought I knew. And this book was one of them. I started reading it one night, I don't know, maybe two years ago. Started reading and uh, kept reading, and then I uh, cheated and looked at the back and thought, oh, there's only a couple of chapters left. I could probably finish this thing tonight. I'm not a reader, okay? Um, my wife is, a couple of my kids are, they love to read. I am the type where I don't necessarily love to just sit and read and read and read. Um, I like words, I love stories. But I don't, it's just that physical act of opening and turning pages that it's like, ah, there's a mental block here. But so I was reading this, this uh, passage, this book, and it's just kind of like what Elder was, was saying here. As, as you pick the Bible, any passage as you're led of by the Spirit to read, the Lord is in that. And He will talk to you. It's His Word. He will talk to you through his word. How are we talking to each other today? Through our words, right? This is his word. So Esther, I'm going to start reading in verse uh, chapter 1 and verse 12. There's a, a few significant players. There's lots of people named in this book. There's a few that are very significant um, to the story. What I was kind of realizing today, and of course, you know, as the Lord kind of shows you one thing and teaches you that, and you think, okay, I got it. And then you could go back again a day later, a week later, a year later, and, man, I didn't get that. I got that today. You know, that's new to me. Um, most of us have heard at least parts of the story of Esther. But it starts in a very interesting fashion. And I've heard it said... Esther is the key person in this chapter. I've heard it said that her uncle, Mordecai, is the key person in this chapter. Um, the way that it, it was kind of, I guess, illuminated to me today in, in, in thinking through this story is there's one central figure of this story that everything revolves around. It's the king. He's here at the beginning, he's in the middle, he's at the end. What we call that in storytelling is your main character. The main character, the person that's at the beginning, at the middle, and at the end. So in chapter 1, it starts with talking about the king and a very interesting uh, set of events here. 
So he starts by calling together some of what he calls his chamberlains, his uh, fellow leaders, part of his leadership group, and he calls them into the palace there, has a meeting with them, and he says, oh, hey, by the way, I, my, my wife, the queen, she's, she's beautiful, and I just want you guys to see how pretty she is. And he calls her to come into their uh, place where they're gathered and meeting, and that's where we pick up right here, okay, verse 12. It says, but the queen, Vashti, refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth, and his anger burned in him. Verse 13, then the king said to the wise men, which knew the times. Jump down to verse 15. This is what the king asks them. What shall we do unto the queen Vashti according to the law? Because she hath not performed the commandment of the king uh, Ahasuerus. I don't know how you're going to say that name. I don't know how I'm going to say that name. Ahasuerus, that sounds good. I think that's how it was in my head. Kind of looks like one of those uh, dinosaurs names, if you ask me. Ahasuerus. Okay, I like that. So it's King Ahasuerus. So what are we going to do because she didn't obey the commandment of King Ahasuerus? There it is. Verse 17, we're just skipping through a few of these. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad to all women. This is the counsel of the king and, and his wise men that he's talking to about what to do with this Issue. Now, this is very interesting to me because we're seeing, an, we know we're seeing an intersection of earthly rule that, for this sake, will align with biblical true principles. It's interesting. We don't see it all the time. And I think even in 2018, there's sometimes the rule of the of the day of our society will go so far out against what the word of god says and what we know are principles that are true we know that the bible says this 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 and these things are wrong and we don't do those and then the government comes out and says we want everybody to do this or at least we're giving our stamp of approval on this and the government or the leadership can go so far out away from it but here this situation causes an intersection to come right back into my core set of beliefs. Because, and even what they're saying is the worry or the concern about how to address this situation is what they're talking about here. People will start to hear about the queen disobeying the king. This deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes. When it shall be reported, the king Ahasuerus, <clears throat> Ahasuerus, I'm, I'm, I'm making sure I got that one, Ahasuerus, the king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti, the queen, to be brought in before him, but she came not. The women are going to find out what happened. Is it okay to get uncomfortable in church sometimes? I mean, we, we like to be comfortable, right? We like to be in our comfort zone. But when you, this, is, this is the problem when you start to hear the word of God. 
It causes you a little bit of discomfort sometimes. We don't like, no, we can't say that, especially in 2018. We can't say that, no, I'm reading the word of God, okay? That's what we're talking about here. Verse 18. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Midia say this day unto all the king's princes, which have heard of the deed of the queen, thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. Now, I'm going to pause for a second. When you go to the dentist, and you, usually you don't go to the dentist when everything's great. I mean, you might have your regular checkup, but then you have this one little, either a toothache or something that needs to be addressed. And over here, no, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. And they touch it, oh, felt that. I remember a time when I had a sinus infection, and all the doctor did was, oh, I felt like it was going to paralyze me. They, they found that one sore spot and hit it, and boom, I was, and, and believe it or not, that was the end of the appointment because the doctor knew what was needed. I'm thinking, you're going to leave me in this paralyzed state. I'm going to have to wear a face mask or something because that can't happen again. But no, it's just, no, you got this infection. We'll write you the prescription, and we'll know that that's what needs to be addressed. When the word of God starts to cause that, ooh, Nah, what was that? No, I thought I was fine. Everything's good. But you got this one little infection, and it touches on it and <laughs> stiffens up your back or causes the hair on your, or it makes you squirm a little bit. Nah, what is that? The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So this little sword, this little two-edged sword can go right in here and say, we're just going to surgically deal with that right there in my spirit. Whew, that's the quick and powerful work of the word of God. So we're sitting here trying to talk about how women have to obey men, and all of a sudden, oh, oh we don't want the women finding out that they can rise up in contempt against their husbands. We've got to deal with that. And that I'm just I'm just setting the stage here, okay? Don't worry, I'm not gonna try to get too up in your business. But this this is the preface, this is the premise of the story. This is how it starts. We had to get Queen Vashti out of here some way to get all these other ladies in here, including Esther. Okay? And this is how it happens. And it just so happens that the events that take place align with the principles of truth. I mean, we won't spend the time going there today, but you know what I'm talking about. Verse 19, if it please the king, let there go out a royal commandment from him and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that it be not altered. It's interesting here. What do you think? So those, there's existing sets of laws and commandments from the Persians and the Medes. And if you just study a little bit of history and you know about Persia, they weren't the most pure people. They weren't the cleanest living group. But now, oh, we're going to add this one little part to the, to the law that says 
Wives, obey your husbands. Where did that come from? Let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes that it be not altered, that Vashti come no more before the king, Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. And when the king's decree, which he shall make, shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both to great and small, and the saying pleased the king and the princes. And the king did according to the word. So he's following this advice. Make a decree that all the women have to obey all the men. Oh, does anybody else still feel it, or is it just all you looking at me that I feel it? That does, we don't like that. We don't like the sound of that. I mean, it's just, it's awkward. That you have to make women obey men. No, this is, if it was awkward in Persia and in, in Midian, I'm just going to leave that one right there. But so these, this is the circumstances that arise to remove Vashti out of the palace. And so then we move forward from here and say, okay, we need a new queen. How are we going to replace Vashti? And the story moves forward to one of these guys gets a good idea. I'm going to go round up all these women, all these females, many, bring them before the king and figure out which one he chooses to be next. Now stop and think about that for just a second. This is, th- th- we're not even talking about replacing the mayor of Yakima, okay? We're not talking about replacing the governor of Washington. We're not talking about replacing. We're talking about the queen, the king's wife, the most powerful female in the, in the nation, in the land. And so here, now we, we jump ahead to the story of Mordecai. It introduces him, and it just calls him a certain Jew. And he was, when he was kicked out of Jerusalem, and along with his family and other families around him, he also had to take care of his little niece named Esther, because it says her father and mother were killed during this exile stage. So he's taking care of her. Raising her, and I don't know about you, but when government officials show up, and now that can be any, any, in any state, government officials. It could be the truancy officer from the school district. It can be the police officer that parks out front. It can, it can be any government official. When they show up, most of us, they got our attention right away, Right? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to listen. I'm going to try to do. I, I, this is important because it's, it's just a part of Christian living. Jesus himself says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, meaning have a proper view and alignment of earthly government in your own life. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to rail against anybody, okay? And I'm not saying we got a bunch of heathen people in here that don't like authority. 
that's not, you know, but, but what happens in this state when the government official shows up to Mordecai's house and says, I'm here to get all the fair young women and take them back with me to the palace. I don't know, but that would, have, that, that would have been a really difficult one for me to address right there. I mean, I'm a dad. I've got some daughters. If a government official shows up and says, we're going to take this one, we might bring her back. Let that one sink in for a minute. But so Mordecai, raising Esther, has said, just go. We don't get a whole lot of background and instruction. But we do know that it says once Esther was brought into the palace, she didn't tell them what her background was, what her her race was. And it says because Mordecai had told her not to. So we know that there was a little bit, at least a little bit, of um, preparation done by Mordecai for Esther for this setting. I don't know if it was, I mean, as he's packing up the essentials, okay, you just, they're, they're, they're getting ready to take you right now, but just make sure when you get there, don't tell them you're a Jew, okay? I mean, we don't know if he got any more in than that, but he got that in because the scripture plainly tells us she did not tell them because he told her not to. And then it says, Mordecai, this, this kind and caring uncle, Travels by the gate daily. I mean, that's, I, can, I think all the dads can relate to that one. I'm not going to let you just take her and me sit here at home and, and, and you know, cook beans. Not going to happen. He's, he's out by the gate watching, listening, wondering. It's really, it's, it's a parent's perspective. It's a, it's a parent's posture, the proper parent's posture. I don't know what's going on inside there, but I know I'm going to be right here making sure that as soon as I get the chance to affect this situation, I'm going to do it. My influence still matters here. My influence, my care, my watching over still matters here. And so he's going by the gate hearing these things, listening and and watching and and caring for Esther when the very interesting, he overhears two guards talking at the gate. You want to make it real awkward, real, real, real political, real fast. They're talking about how they're going to overthrow the government. They're talking bad about the guy that's in charge. They're talking about how they're going to take matters into their own hands and assassinate the leader. And Mordecai just overhears this. And, uh, you know, I'm just here to watch out for Esther, but I don't really like what's going on back there. I don't think what they're saying is really jiving. You know, it doesn't. So he gets word through the channels to the king Hey, you got two guards. These aren't these, you know, living out in the hills wearing tinfoil hats and still carrying, you know, I don't know, spears. These are, these are guards, trained, trained soldiers. 
that could probably back up at least a little bit of, 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 the, of the threat and the violence that they're projecting. So the, so the king hears this. He checks it out. What do you know? It's true. They bring these guards before the king. They find out they were plotting to kill him. The king has those guards put to death. And he says, this guy, whoever he is, you know, Mordecai, record his name in this book of Chronicles here. Because I want to make sure that I remember who it was that gave me the tip to save my life. And so Mordecai's name is recorded in the, in the Chronicles. Fast forward, Esther is the one that's chosen to replace the queen. Not some small little detail. Out of all those fair young women, she was the one chosen to replace the, the queen. And through the process of time, I, I love this element of the story probably the most out of all these. We're just talking about me personally. This guy Haman comes on the scene. Haman is the bad guy. Okay, He's the, he's the character that we can all, oh, Haman, we don't like him. Somebody to, somebody to get us to work against. The king's not the bad guy here, okay? The queen wasn't the bad guy, bad lady. The guards weren't the bad guys. Haman comes on the scene, and he's raised to this position over all the other princes, it says, by the king, Ahasuerus. I got it right that time. So King Ahasuerus sets Haman above all the other princes, and Mordecai is still out there, at the gate, watching over his niece. And this, this prince, Haman, decides, I'm going to take a stroll. I'm going to take a strut, really, through this kingdom, make sure everybody out there knows that I'm number two. I'm the second in command. And open up those gates. Let's just go for a little strut. Everybody's bowing. Everybody's given allegiance. And, oh, you are the number two. You're Prince Haman. Yes, you have the king's word. You have the king's authority. But Mordecai, he chooses not to bow, not to reverence, because he knows this is not the, the leader. This is, the, this is not the king. And boy, does that get under Haman's skin. Haman decides... There's this one guy out there. I, lo I love all, yeah, this position's great. All the perks are great. But there's this one guy under my skin. I don't even know what he's doing out there. Morta something is his name. He goes, he asks for an audience with the king. And the king's like, okay, I'll pencil you in here a little bit. Schedule a time. They sit down and the king's like, hey, how do you like being the new number two? Oh, it's great. It's wonderful. Love it. I mean, I bet I could probably do pretty much anything I wanted to do at this point. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, well, in fact, let's test that because there is this one thing I want to do. There's this guy, more to something. He, he, he gives me the evil eye every time he sees me. He, he doesn't bow. He doesn't reverence me like everybody else. And the king's like, okay, yeah, you... Figure out how you want to deal with that. We'll rendezvous again, and we'll talk about what we're going to do about this guy. But Esther overhears this. She's in the palace at this time. She knows 
Haman and what he's up to. So she schedules this dinner with Haman and with the king, Ahasuerus. We're going to meet. We're going to talk about this. Oh, by the way, king, uh, Haman, he's, 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 he's building what they call a gallows right out in front of his house. I mean, I don't know why. He's, he's just up to something. I mean, that, 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 would, that wouldn't sit too well with me, honestly. If I, if even if I just had to drive by it on my way to work every day, I'd be like, what is that guy doing? Building a torture device with one person in mind to put on there. That night, before the meeting the next day, the king is restless, can't sleep, needs something to read. We talked about reading. I'm going to go look for something to read. Flips open his books of recent history. Oh, let's see what's been going on in my kingdom. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, remember this one guy, Mordecai? He did a lot of great for me. He saved my life. So the next day, it's time to meet with Haman. And the king says to Haman, hey, I need your advice on something. What would you do? If there, was a, if there was a guy that I really, really, really wanted to reward, I mean, you know I'm the king. You know I got all the riches. I can do pretty much, I can, I can bestow as much honor and glory on somebody as I want to. And Haman's like, oh, yeah, I like where this is going. Mm-hmm. We're talking about me. We're talking about all this glory you want to bestow on me. Oh, I'll tell you some of the things that would be good. Let him wear the king's robe for a day. That would be nice. Let him ride the king's horse through town. I mean, yeah, I like this number two horse that we got, but let him ride the king's horse through town. We're in the king's robe for a day. That would get everybody to bow. The king's like, okay, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. Let's do that. Here's the guy that I want to. Why don't you go out there, set it up. This guy named Mordecai. I wrote it down in this book. Haman hears that. You talk about some turn of events. No, hey, no, 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 no. That guy, he's the one, you know that, you know, I've been doing, I've just been getting something ready at my house, and I was thinking more along the lines of what we need to do for him. I won't tell you what it is, but, you know, it's kind of a different type of reward for him. And, and Haman has to go out, get Mordecai, bring him into the king's palace, tell him, oh, yeah, by the way, there's your, there's your niece right there, the one you've been praying and watching over. She's doing great. <laughs> She's doing great. She's saving all of her people, by the way. Because of how the Lord has orchestrated these details. Saved an entire nation, an entire group of people. And then, what's going what, to become of me, Haman decides. 
What? I mean, if Morty, I thought I was going to be the one getting all this glory, getting to take the strut with the king's stuff. And somebody pipes up to the king. Haman wanted to kill your, your, your wife, the queen. He wanted to kill her uncle. He wanted to kill all of their people. Wipe them out. Just because this one guy wouldn't bow while he's out here just watching over his knees. This is the degree he wanted to go to to deal with that. And the king overhears that. That's my queen. That's her uncle. They're doing things the right way. They're pure in heart. They're pure in motive. I'm going to protect them. But you know what else I'm going to do? We're going to take care of you right now. We're going to deal with you right now, Haman. And somebody, hey, king, by the way, remember that thing he's been constructing out there in front of his house? Uh, yeah, you know where that's going. So Haman ends up getting put on the gallows that he built for Mordecai. Esther gets to live in the palace, gets to save, work as a part of the saving of her people. Mordecai gets the peace I think that's probably all he wanted from the beginning, honestly. Was the peace to know God is watching over all of this. God is protecting her, me, his people. That's what becomes of Esther, of Mordecai, of the king. Let's pray. Jesus, God, I'm thankful for the truth of your word today. I'm thankful, God, that you would watch over and protect me, God. I'm thankful, Jesus, to know that these are the links that you're willing to go to, God, to bring each one of us to an expected end, to bring each one of us, God, to a desired outcome, a desired outcome of peace, Lord. Jesus, every situation that we brought into this room with us, with any doubt, God, with any worry, with any confusion. Jesus, we know, God, from the truth of your word that these are the links you're willing to go to for every single person to save your people, Lord Jesus, to bring peace to your people. Jesus, to establish yourself as the king, to establish your word as true. In the name of Jesus, I'm thankful for it today, God. Somebody just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for protecting me. Thank you, God, for watching over me. Thank you, Jesus, for caring and loving all of us, Lord Jesus. God, in your name. God, in your name. Those of you that are parents, I think it'd be good for you to just take this right now. Take this moment. Pray it over your children. Pray it over your families. God, it's your truth. It's your wisdom. It's your protection. Jesus, all the questions that we have in this world, all the worries, all the cares that we have, God, we know that you are still the king. We know that you are still the one in charge. 
God, nothing happens without your approval. Nothing happens without you watching over, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I'm thankful to you, O oh God. I'm thankful to you, O oh God. Continue to talk to the Lord there. Let him hear what's on your heart. Let him hear the things that he's dealing with today. Jesus, I trust you with it. Jesus, I put my life in your hands. Jesus, I put my life in your hands. Jesus, you're able, oh God, even in 2018, you're able to make a way, God. You're able to make a way for me, Lord Jesus, for my family, oh God, for my children. You're able to make a way, oh Jesus. All power in heaven and earth is given to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I think most of us know or probably have heard at some point it taught through scripture about the word power. We sing about it today about power, power in the name of Jesus. The scripture that says all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. That's God's way of telling us. I'm in charge. I am in charge. I know it might look like so-and-so is going to get to have their way. And that's a, that's against what we would desire. But. All power in heaven and in earth is given unto him. That's something I can rest assured with. That's something I can claim and cling to, proclaim. Lord, I don't know how this situation's working out right now. I don't know how you're going to bring all of this mess to an expected end. But I know that all power in earth is given to you. So you have the ability to. D- Let me tell you a story real quick. Oh, what was this? Two weeks ago, I guess. I had uh, got one of those rare occasions where I got to go out on a date with my wife. Had the in-laws babysit. And... Uh, we had to drive in separate cars because I met her from work and so forth. After all that, I was driving home. And the Lord started to deal with me about something. And, you know, Elder, I think it was you had said a, a, a while back, someone says, you, you make this sound like you just talk to God. Well, at that moment, in my car driving home, that's what I was doing. I, don't, I mean, I, I have to confess, I don't reach that point of, communication with the Lord every day like I wish I could but it, he was so it was so clear that what he brought to me in that moment was from him the thing that I said was I don't know how to do that <laughs> I'm glad there was no nobody else in the car with me they wouldn't have known what in the world was going on and this this issue what we talked about 
what he and I were talking about. It had to do with finances. And it had to do with him telling me some stuff. Just do this. I, was, I wasn't praying about finances. I wasn't seeking the Lord about my finances. I was seeking him about just my family. Uh, us being in his will. Us, you know, he, it says that he knows what we have need of. And it tells us, take no thought for these things. Because he knows. So I was just trying to pray along those lines. And not even with any specifics in mind. Oh, Lord, it would be nice if... Child C had toy A. No, you know, that's not what I was going through. I was just thinking general terms. Lord, this, this is your word. This is your truth. This is, who, this is what you say you want for us as your people. And as I'm praying that, he gives me a very specific thing. And that's when I said, I don't know how to do that. I, I didn't say, we're not, no, we're not talking about that. I just said, I don't know. I know this is you. I know this is your word, your direction for me. But I don't know how to make that happen. The next day, I'm at work. I get a message from Loren. It says, we got this check. It's a large check in the mail from the, the, the company that we used to finance an old vehicle through. Saying, oh, we overcharged you for this type of insurance that you really didn't even need to have all those years that you had this car. And this is a reimbursement check for you for that amount. But because when I told the Lord, I don't know how to do that, I also, in my spirit, was acknowledging, you know how to do it. All power is given to you. All power over that banking company, all power over this over here, all power over that over there, it's all given to you. And I've learned, I've learned that I, I, can, I can confess and I can talk however I need to talk to the Lord as long as it's with that reverence in mind. All of this stuff that I'm, that I'm bringing to you, my case that I'm pleading to you, or my wishes, whatever it is, you know, my prayer request, as long as I can bring that with the reverence that's due to the Lord, I know that you can do this. I know that you have a way, you know how to plan this. You can make this happen. That's what he's wanting from us. That's what he's seeking. As Mordecai's packing up Esther's belongings, I don't doubt that he's sitting there thinking, Lord, I know that you know how to make all this work. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who she's going to encounter. I don't know who I'm going to encounter as I try to watch her. I don't know any of that stuff. But I know all power is given to you. She thinks she's going to serve a king of this earthly dominion. She thinks she's going to be put into this worldly system, but all power in heaven and earth belongs to you. Elder. In Jesus' name, praise God. He is sovereign. He is sovereign. That's the word. 
comes to my spirit, a sovereign God. Amen. Praise God. Whose plan was it for Esther to be there? Whose plan? Ah, it was God's. It was God's. An acknowledgement that where she was was part of God's plan was what her uncle kept trying to get her to realize. Where you are, Esther, we've got to wait until we understand why God has you there. If he is God, if he's God in your life, if he's God in my life, then there's times I have to wait to understand why he has me where he has me. You know what my human nature does? Probably the same thing as yours. If I don't like where he has me, what do I do? What do we do? Come on, don't look at me like I'm crazy. What do we do when we don't like where he has us? We either complain, somebody said. What else do we do? God, get me out. We argue. God, change this. How often do we go to God and say, God, I don't understand why I'm where I am. Help me to understand your purpose in this. We don't pray that too often, do we? The Lord's wanting to help us today. You want, you want to get victory over some of these things that you're battling with or trying to fix or change or wish God would fix or change? Change your prayer and let it become, God, what is your purpose in this? What is your plan with this situation in my life? What is it that you're wanting to do through this circumstance that doesn't seem to be changing in my marriage, in my home? In my, what is it that's in me that you're trying to deal with? What is your purpose in this thing on my job, God, that I keep, seem to keep coming again? What is it, Lord? What is your purpose in this? What is it between me and my parent? God, what is your purpose in me in this? Do a work in them. But Lord, what's your purpose? What is it that you're wanting to do in me through this process? God does everything with purpose. Everything. He does with purpose. Our human nature oftentimes resists what God is doing. You say, you mean God allows, God does bad things to me? God never does bad things to you and I. He's a good father. Does he allow bad things to happen? Absolutely. Why? He has a purpose. He has a purpose he allowed the children of Israel to go into bondage. Why? He knew that was the only way they would begin to cry out to him again. Read it. It's in the scripture. Why did he allow his chosen people to go into bondage? He knew it was the only way that they would ever get into a posture that they would begin to cry out to him again. So it served his purpose. And once it served his purpose, 
what did he do? He brought them out and led them into the greater fulfillment of his purpose for their lives. Esther, this is what Mordecai said, who knows that God has brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. God has a purpose for you being there, and it could be that this thing that looks like it's going to destroy the children, the Jews, it could be that that's the purpose that God intended when He had you taken to the kingdom. Suffering, pain, hurt, problems, disappointment in mine and your life has purpose. God doesn't make it happen, but God does allow it to happen. And if I'll seek his face in it, I'll seek his purpose in it, I'll begin to walk through it with peace rather than battling and resistance and anxiety and fear and uncertainty. God, what's your purpose in this in my life? And when I begin to embrace his purpose, the only way I can do that is by acknowledging what Brother Flowers shared there at the closing. He has all power. He is sovereign. He works all things for good. You ever heard that verse? Yeah, we grab that part, but we don't read the whole verse. The whole verse says, now we know this, that all things... Good, bad, problems, pain, pressure, exciting, not so exciting, boring. All things, what's all? All. All things work together for the good. It's conditional. To whom? To them that love the Lord. Ah, that's important. All things don't work together for good for those that don't love the Lord. But to those that love the Lord, all things work together for good to them. And, ah, there's an and there. So just loving the Lord isn't enough. I can love the Lord and still things not all work together for good. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are the called. Oh, not just called. According to His purpose. So, if things are working or not working in my life to good, is it because I'm trying to get it to fulfill my purpose rather than His purpose? What is God's purpose in where you are? I don't know, but He does. And you can trust Him. Why don't you stand with me? You can trust him. As sh- who made. Who do you think it was that caused Ahasuerus to not be able to sleep that night? God. We agree with that. Oh, so God can 
keep a king from sleeping? To affect a nation of people? Oh, he'd do that then, but he won't do it now. Sure he will. You know, this wasn't just like a little village he ruled over. You understand that. Read the first few verses of Esther. He was king over 127 provinces that went from India all the way to Ethiopia. It was a pretty large kingdom. And God would keep him awake at night just so he could get his attention. And then he would have someone bring him a book. Read it. He said, go bring me a book to read. And the servant just happened to grab that book. That had that recording. From that time. At this season. For a purpose. God's purpose. We need to know this about God's purpose in our life. It's always predicated on something. God's timing. God's timing. And my humanity does not like waiting on God's timing. Because I want my timing. I'm telling you today. If you will change your prayer about your situation and begin to pray, God, whatever your purpose in this, let it be done in me. Whatever would weigh on your mind in your closet of prayer, whatever would come to you that you feel like you're wanting God to change, if you'll stop asking him to change it, unless he specifically told you to pray that, would you just begin praying, God, whatever your purpose is in this, Whatever you're wanting to do in me, with me, and through me in this, I'm going to embrace it. Come on, would you begin to pray with me right now before we go today? Come on, you know things he's quickened to your mind and to your spirit. Lord, your purpose. Can you declare that with me today? Now, don't, don't just say it because we're talking about it. But the Lord is reaching to us this morning. and He's quickening things in your spirit. Would you begin to openly and honestly before God? Lord, your purpose in this. Your purpose and your desire in this, God. I got to admit, Lord, in my humanity, there's times I've been praying my own way. I've been wanting you to do a certain thing because I think that's what needs to happen. Lord, today I lay that upon the altar and I'm praying and embracing your will and your purpose What is it you desire to do with me as a part of the body of Christ? What is it you're trying to work through this situation in my life, Lord? So be it. Let it be done according to your will. Let it be done according to your purpose. Let it be done according to your plan. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let your purpose and your will be wrought in our life, individually and collectively, O God. Let me not resist what you're doing, but embrace, Father. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, however you have to use circumstances in my life 
to position and posture me for your kingdom. However you have to use people and situation and circumstances to get me in the place you need me to be for your kingdom and your purpose, Lord. This morning, I pray afresh, do it. However you have to do it, Lord, I want your kingdom, your will, and your purpose in my life. I trust your ordering of steps, God. I want your will and your purpose in me and through me. That you would be glorified, Father. That you would be lifted up. That you would be exalted in all these things. In the name of Jesus, your purpose, Father. Your purpose. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There's not an individual here this morning that God has not been orchestrating and directing your steps. Not one of you. God has been orchestrating and directing your steps. You might think, oh, well, you know, I just sort of had this idea and started doing it, and so it made me feel better, and so, no, God's been orchestrating your steps. For your benefit? Well, sure. But greater than mine and your benefit for His purpose and His kingdom. You see, it's about you, but it's bigger than you and I. It's about Him and His kingdom and His purpose. And as we begin embracing that, He begins to reveal that to us. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, we thank You for Your Word today. We thank You for the truth of Your Word. And we thank You for Your love toward us. That draws us into relationship with you and fellowship with you. So that we can participate with you in your kingdom. I pray your work and your will in every life in this room this morning. That would yield to you through every individual here. That would yield to your drawing and your leading. I pray the fullness of your will and your kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ. I pray let grace come upon us. Grace to walk according to your leading in the name of Jesus Christ. We worship you and we thank you today. We give you glory, Father. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you. Greet someone today. Have a wonderful and blessed new year. We'll see you next year if we don't see you before. Amen. See you Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Praise God.